Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello. This is Renetta joining you here at Word Alive on Blog Talk Radio. Today is February the 4th, 2017. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that might and that they might have it more abundantly. And so we here at Word of Life love to come together and share with you tidbits from the Word of God, from the life of God, to encourage you to live that abundant life that Jesus came that you might have access to it. Welcome to Word Alive. We welcome you to call in and participate with us on the air. We welcome you to type in to the uh, comment section. Scroll down to the bottom if you're listening online and uh, comment, and I'll try to get back to your comments, answer your questions, or uh, give out your prayer request. We're so excited to be here. This is the first broadcast of 2017, so we're going to just jump right in to our subject for tonight, which is restoration. So what does restoration mean? And I would love for just some of you to call in to share with us what restoration means to you. Because we can look at a subject or a word. It can have different meanings for different people depending on the place that they are at in life at that time. So I'm going to, my key scripture for this is Psalms 23 and 3. Psalms 23 and 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, righteousness, they have in parentheses, or right path. So he leads me in the right way to go for his name's sake. And so I like that scripture because, you know, Psalms 23 is a scripture that a lot of people know, especially if they're saved, even people that are not actually in the church, so to speak, as we call it. A lot of people know Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A lot of people know this scripture from their childhood. And so now we go down a couple of verses in the scripture, and he's talking about he restores my soul. This is David talking about God. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in right paths. He leads me in good things and goodness. And he does it for his own name's sake. So let's uh, explore that a little bit. I'm going to go up a little bit more just to read a couple of scriptures. Psalms 23, starting at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. So when you think about that, and I'm reading for the King, from, uh, the King James Version. When you think about that, what is the image that you get? I like to talk about, you know, seeing things and envisioning things, especially when we're reading and meditating and studying upon the word of God. What is it that you see when you think about the words of, uh, he leads me beside the still waters. Have you ever walked down to the bank of a water when the, at a time when the water is just very still? 
when there's no waves lapping up against the shores. The water is just very still. What sense do you get from that stillness of the water? Uh, I'm going to give you a minute just to think. One of the senses that I get from still water is like a piece of, uh, it's like a sense of rest. <coughs> Excuse me. A sense of rest or a sense of tranquility or a sense of uh, peace. So I'm thinking if God is leading me to still waters, he's leading me to a place of peace, tranquility, stillness, calm. And sometimes that can be very reassuring to us. And then we go into the scripture that I'm using tonight. He restoreth my soul. So when God leads me to that place of stillness, of calm, of tranquility, of peace, in that place, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So what does it mean? He restoreth my soul. What does restore mean? Restore means to give back or return. So if I come to restore something that I borrowed from you and I've had it for way too long, and I knock on your door and say, girl, look what I got. I'm restoring or giving back or returning to you something that I held that belongs to you. Restore means to put or bring back into existence or use. Okay, we can take an old piano that's been sitting around the house for years that belonged to mama or belonged to grandma. And one day we look at it and we say, you know what, I'm going to restore this because it came from my grandma. And I want to restore it back to its beauty and back to its sound. Restore it back to the intent that it was created to be used for. So I'm going to bring it back into existence as a piano that can be played and admired for its sound and its beauty. Another definition is to bring back to or put back into a formal, normal, or original state. To bring back to formal, normal, or original state. And so when we look at the scripture where David is talking, this was after David had been rebuked for what he had done to Bathsheba's husband. Is when uh, the sin had been revealed to him, that you are the man who have committed this sin. It's your sin. And David's eyes had become open, and he was he began to repent. And, oh, I haven't read this scripture yet. That's the next scripture I'm going to read, but... In the book of Psalms, well, let's just go there now. In the book of Psalms 51, this is a part of David's repentance after God had revealed to him through Nathan what he had done, that he had committed this great sin. He says to God, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew, there's that word, renew, 
which is a form of, which is a sentiment of the word restore or restoration, excuse me, which I'm going to read a little more of the definitions in that word to come out. Restore unto me the joy. Oh, I'm down too far. Sorry. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Then he says, cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness, your goodness, your right path. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. And so David is coming to God in this place of brokenness. He's coming to God in this place of the revelation of his sin, the revelation of the state of, that his heart is in, the revelation of how he has displeased God, the God whom he supposedly loves, he has gone against God's heart. He has gone against uh, God's uh, commandments, and he has committed great sin. And David is letting God know that, you know, I don't want to be in this place where I'm separate from you. Glory to God. I don't want to be in this place where I'm separated from your presence. And, you know, sometimes in this place where we have transgressed, where we have transgressed against God, and we have gotten so caught up in our own um, flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, because David had gotten so caught up in fulfilling the desire of his flesh, and then trying to hide his sin from people. He couldn't hide it from man, he found out. God saw everything that was going on. He wasn't even thinking about. He wasn't even contemplating. It hasn't even come into his mind's eye view. What am I going to do about God? How am I going to uh, hide this from God? How am I going to deal with God after this? He was so focused on his flesh, fulfilling the desires of his flesh, and then the woman ended up pregnant. And he knew that the husband would know it wasn't his child because he was going away at war. So he devised a plan to try to get the husband home so the baby could be passed off at his. That didn't work. So then he devised another plan. Well, if I just kill the husband, I don't have to explain anything to the husband. She don't have to explain anything to the husband. I can take her to be my wife. I'd be seen as a good man stepping in, you know, to cover her in the death of her husband, to take care of her. Nobody will ever know, but he forgot that God sees and knows all things. 
And God sees in your heart why these these steps you are taking to hide your sin. And when David realized the state of his heart, that he had actually left the presence of God. And then he realized there's only way to get back to that place that I need to be in God. I need his restoration. I can't put myself back there. I need him to do it for me. I need his forgiveness. I need him to hide his face. When he said, hide your face from my blood guiltiness, he was asking for forgiveness. Excuse me. He was asking God to forget his sin. He was asking God not to hold him accountable for what he had done. Because remember, David had spoke out of his own mouth the judgment that should take place against this person. This man should surely die. And so to David, not being in the presence of God was was probably greater than God. I desire to be with the God of my salvation. I desire the joy of his salvation to be returned to me. I'm in a place that I don't want to be. I am lacking. I don't want to be lacking. I want to be restored to that place with him. I want to be in the presence of God. I want my I want to be in a place that he leads me in right paths so that my actions, so that my heart is pleasing to him. So let's look at the uh, definition of restoration. The act of restoring, renewal, that's the word that came up in that scripture that I read. Revival. And a lot of times that's the word we use in the so-called church world. Revival. We say, let's have a revival. And it's kind of funny, but they say, well, let's have a revival. and go and invite all your unsaved friends to church during the revival. But revival means to revive something back to the place where it once was. So why they say go invite all the sinners, I don't know, because revival is for the saints. So let's look up the, I didn't look up the definition for revival, but let's look up the definition for revival. Since that's a word that we may be a little more familiar with than we are restoration. What does the dictionary say about restoration? I mean, I'm sorry, about revival. Revival is restoration to life. And that's how, you know, when people die and they revive them. Consciousness. (laughs) And I think of consciousness as awakeness, vigor, strength, restoration to use. Uh, restoration to acceptance, restoration of currency back to its formal, formal worth, an awakening in a church or community of interest in and care for matters relating to personal religion, an evangelistic service or a series of services for the purpose of affecting a religious awakening. 
And so uh, if it's an awakening, then it's something that I can awaken you. So I say revival is for the, the saints of God because it's to awaken you back to your former state in God, to bring you to that place so you can think upon and recall the goodness of God in your own life to awaken you, to restore you, to renew you, to revive you back to that place where you are aware that you are not in the presence of God that you was once in. To first awake you to where your heart is right now, because David first became aware of where he was. Now, he was already gone from the presence of God. But he didn't seem to be aware of it because he was so focused on himself at that time. But when the revelation came, immediately he knew his state. And he was like, oh, God, don't take your presence away from me. He wanted to be restored back to that communion he had with God. And, you know, we can kind of relate to that when, we, when, when it comes to relationships. It's like when you first fall in love with somebody, your whole life is consumed with that person for a time. Well, your, your every waking moment is about that person. Not about God, but about that person. Now, if you're a real, real spiritual person, you can squeeze God into that picture, but a lot of people don't. All of their choices and all of their decisions is based on that new person that's coming to their life that they've fallen head over heels in love with. And they're contemplating every day about that person. When am I going to see him again? When am I going to talk to her again? When are we going to be together again? When are we going to do this? When are we, Is that going to call me? All about, about, it's all about that person. And so at this stake that David was in, it was all about Bathsheba. So he was consumed with the thoughts of her. So he had forgot about God a little bit there. Then when he realized the state he was in, he realized how far he had gone. He had gone to a place he did not plan to go when his eyes first fell on Bathsheba. He didn't plan to end up where he was, yet he had. Why? He was he was struck with an, a, a distraction, a distraction or a fatal attraction, which means he was attracted by something else that distracted him from the focus that he should have had. And many times in our walk with God, we get distracted by other things. Thank you, Jesus. And we get focused on other things. We get consumed by other things. And it's not that we make a conscious choice to walk away from the presence of God. It's not that we make a conscious choice to leave God. It's not that we make a conscious choice to uh, stop praying, to stop reading the word, to stop meditating, to stop communion with God. It's that we walk in a different direction that takes us away from doing those things because our day comes consumed with these other things. And it's almost only so much time in a day. There's only so many things you can put in that day. And so only so much you can focus your mind on in a day. And once you have practiced consuming your thoughts, consuming your mind, consuming your heart with certain things, unaware, you get to a place where you have distanced yourself from God. 
And you realize it's been some time when since I've communed with, you know, my father. Something happens in your life that sparks a desire within you to be back to that place. In David's life, it was a revelation of where he was, a revelation of what he had actually done, a revelation of how this affected God. In our own lives, it could be a revelation of a sin we have committed, or it could be a revelation of things that we have allowed to consume our thoughts and our time, or it could be a revelation of uh, maybe sometime even in ignorance and just not knowing or not having right understanding that we have gone to a place that we didn't plan to go in our heart, in our spirit, and and then in our actions. And then we look back and we say, well, how did I get here? Well, what happened? And then we get to that place where we're like David. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Because you know that you love God, and God knows you love him. God knows that David loved him. That's why he reached out to David. Because he knew David had went to a place he didn't plan to go. And he knew he could reach David yet. He could still reach him. Because he knew he knew David's heart. I mean, sometimes we do things in our life that take us to different places, but God knows that in the depths of our spirit, God knows that in the depths of our heart, we want him more than anything. We have just allowed ourselves to get distracted. And even beyond that, the cares of life can really do a number on us. So every once in a while, we have to come back and we have to revisit restoration, revival, renewal, Refreshing. We have to get to a place um, so that we can reconnect to the God of our salvation. So that we can reconnect to that presence of God where we commune with him in it. Well, we can get to that place where there's nothing between me and my Savior. I'm not going to let any thoughts come in. This is my time with you. I'm not going to let the TV distract me. I'm turning the ringer off on my phone. I'm not going to let the phone distract me. I'm turning my computer off and opening up my paper Bible because as I scroll through the scripture, I don't want something popping up on my screen to distract me. So I'm going to open my paper Bible and go to the scripture that you're leading me to so that I can hear from you without any distraction. And I can say, restore my soul. I can say, Hide your face from my sin, from my forgiveness, my distractions, oh God. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. 
I can remind myself, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why am I so busy doing all these things? If I would just put my time in with him, he's going to take care of me. Not only is he going to take care of me, he's going to direct me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, that his name be praised, that he be glorified. Because when you are blessed, when you are successful under the plan of God now, you bring glory to his name. Because any conversation that comes up as a result of your confess is your opportunity to point people to God. I'm here because of him. I'm here because he it's your opportunity to testify the goodness of the Lord. But when we're running around busy trying to make things happen in our life, and then someone said, well, how did you do that? Well, I did this, and then I went there, then I, then I, then I, then I, then I. Where is God in that testimony? Oh, God, restore my soul. Lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Because sometimes it's what we're facing that causes us to turn to other avenues to make things happen in our life. But the scriptures say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. This is back in Psalms 23. It says, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Your word brings me comfort. But it can't bring me comfort if I don't turn to it, if I don't remind myself of what it says. And revival comes to bring you back to the word, to bring you back to God, to refocus you. And sometimes refocusing you, sometimes you hearing that plan of salvation that the evangelists come to town to preach to the sinners that you bring into church reminds you of who God is, reminds you of what God has done for you already, reminds you of this great plan of salvation for your life that you're not even living in, and yet you're inviting other people to come partake. It reminds you that he came that you might have life and that more abundantly. And then you look and you say, wow, I'm not living in that abundance. And that's where I want to be. That's what I need to be. It helps you reconnect to the God of your salvation, the God of your joy, your peace, your provision, your healing. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so don't be consumed with the enemies. Don't be consumed with what the enemy is doing. Get back to the presence of God. And feast from his table. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. But get back to that place where your cup is running over. With the overflow of the presence of God. Hello? Thought I heard something. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Well, we're at the end of our broadcast. I want to thank you all for joining us. If you find yourself distanced from God, if you find yourself not in that presence that you love being in with God, 
if you find yourself not communing with him the way you used to, or even if you be one who never got to that place, that special place with him, I want to invite you to pursue God, pursue his presence. There's a song that I'm reminded of, I Thirst for You by C.C. Winans. Listen to that song. The church needs revival. The people, when I say that, the people of God needs revival. We need to be reminded of who God is, what his plan for our life is. Get busy in his will, his plan, his path of righteousness. And stop being thrown in tumultuous fear because of what's going on around us or because of what our enemy is doing. Get filled with the goodness of the Lord. Be consumed with the goodness of God. Get saturated in his word and his presence and praying and communion with him again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. God bless you. Come back again and revisit us here at Word Alive. Invite a friend to come listen to this message. We have over 150 messages and archives online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Word Alive. We're also on podcasts on iTunes. Look us up.